Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold, at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Joe Avella, I'm not on Twitter, or I am, but I just ignore it. Wow, what a guy. And we are here today to talk about yet another 2019 summer horror release, uh, a sequel to, I believe, a 2017 uh, movie, a kind of a surprise hit, uh, the shark movie 47 Meters Down. Uh, the same director, Johannes Roberts, is back uh, for 47 Meters Down Uncaged. I'm on record as saying it should have been called 48 Meters Down, but whatever. Um, and yeah, uh, I- yeah, they sh- you know, missed opportunity. There's a, there's a couple of those. I'll talk about those later. Um, and I also saw some movies at a, a film festival this past weekend via some screeners, and I'll talk about a couple of those. And Joe, what else is going on? Not much, man. I watched The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot, finally. And I watched the first episode of the new season of The Terror. Oh, yeah. I watched that, too. Great. We'll talk about that. And also, so much horror movie movie news going on. Uh, Neil Blomkamp is out with Robocop. Blomkamp out. Um, Yeah, we'll talk about that. I'm going to look at the right here. Uh, some guy got killed at a Slipknot show. McG's doing Babysitter Two, I think. Yeah, um, you're right? spoiling but, everything. Take it easy well, yeah. there. It's called teaser. And also, our boy Kevin Smith is rebooting something He-Man related. I only saw the post. I didn't read too much about it, so lots of good, lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff going on. Um, and if you want to hear about a lot of uh, gripes about airline travel and also mm. um we actually do talk about a couple new horror releases but not to worry they're things we didn't like but if you want to hear about a couple duds from a horror festival definitely throw us a couple bucks get on the patreon patreon.com slash new flash podcast um yeah we I, I think it's a pretty good bonus episode it's about half an hour we talk about a few movies uh, that I don't even know if we're going to waste our breath talking about on here. Um, nah. Yeah, not worth it. But yeah, definitely uh, check it out behind the paywall. There's actually an amazing new theme we have just for the bonus episode that actually I'll throw it at the end of this episode because we are very thankful to Dylan Brown, a.k.a. Banshee Beat. Find him on SoundCloud. I believe he has a website that's like BansheeBeat.net. Yeah, BansheeBeat.net. Check it out. Thank you, Dylan. Stay, uh, Stick around after the episode for the Pizone theme. It's sick. Um, <laughs> yeah, and besides that, do you want to just jump right into news? Yes, I do. It's got a Bits and Pieces theme song. It goes a little something like this. Uh, bits and Pieces. Da, 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 bits and Pieces. All right. Um, the first bit of news this week, for some godforsaken reason, actually we know the reason, uh, Netflix's The Babysitter is getting a sequel, and McG is returning to him direct. 
Oh, whatever. Yeah. I do. We, I'm sure we spent an episode talking about this movie. I know it's. You saw it. I didn't. I, I watched the first uh, 15 minutes and bailed. It is horrible, like new levels of horrible. You know, I'm sure some of our fans like it. I know it's. Uh, some people think we're too mean to some genre stuff that a lot of people like, but I just could not get behind this movie. I think McGee is such an annoying director, and that movie had like all of his worst things coming out and it felt like you know yeah. back when he was doing like terminator he had some studio heads uh telling him what to do and with netflix they just let him do what he wanted and sometimes studio notes are good um yeah the babysitter was a train wreck but you know what you make a movie with a really hot lead and you have Bella Thorne in it on, on on the on the poster on the the trailer I see right here. It's just like it's so obvious to me that of course this movie was a hit for Netflix. It's like sub ninety minutes. The poster is like you know this hot. It's Samara Weaving who's gorgeous. It's a horror movie. It's R rated. Like everyone, I'm just, I bet the demo is like most watched by. Like you know, thirteen to to horny boys, seventeen year olds. Yeah, just it's a horny boy movie. Horny our boy. Our horniest, our horniest audience loved it. Yes, it's a horny boy horror movie. And you know what? Back in the day, I would have been all about the babysitter. I would have watched the babysitter on HBO at midnight. And when my parents came in the room, I would switch it back to Cartoon Network, which was on the Return Channel button. That's what would have went down <laughs> with the babysitter. But Those details. Yes. Too specific? Maybe. Will I edit it out? No. Um, yeah, this it's just like I'm too old for the babysitter. It didn't work for me in any way. I thought it was it just I I I I don't even have I, I barely remember it at this <laughs> right now. So I don't even have like pointed criticisms other than clearly it's forgettable. And if you go back and listen to the episode, I'm sure I eviscerated it nicely then with pointed criticism if i remember it was even like casually kind of racist and annoying and weird bad movie so congratulations to fans of the babysitter yeah. uh it's casting is underway and shooting is expected to run through thanksgiving dan lagana is listed as the new screenwriter uh which that's kind of exciting i guess because he's the writer producer of american vandal which rules wow really yeah hmm yeah, so um, I don't know. Right. I guess I will watch it because it's on Netflix and it's easy. But uh, so Joe, when we talk about when yeah. we talk about being successful for Netflix, are we saying that it drove a lot of new subscribers? Um. Well, no. I I mean that is definitely the number one metric they care about. But yeah. to me, they're making these types of decisions based on you know, just, I think, views. Like, when Bird Box did 40-whatever million in a day, they they tout that, you know? Like, I think that's the same deal with The Babysitter. It's like, that one got a shit ton of watches in the first however many hours, and, like, that, to us, is how we consider things a hit. So they know that Lightning can strike twice there. And I just... Ugh. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I don't know. I'm all... If it was a movie I liked, I'd be psyched about it. But it's not, so I'm not. That's really what it comes down to. Yo, they should make a second season of Black Summer. That show was so goddamn good. I still haven't watched it. Is that the zombie You're going to love it, dude. Yeah, yeah, the zombie one's very good. All right, I'll check that out. And you also teased this. Neil Blomkamp, who was slated to direct a RoboCop reboot for uh, MGM, just tweeted, tweet announced that he's off. His tweet said, off RoboCop. 
I am shooting new horror slash thriller, and MGM can't wait, and they need to shoot RoboCop now. Excited to watch it in theaters with other fans. So, no RoboCop from mm. Neil Blomkamp, which, like, I'm fine with that. And yeah, he I, didn't says, even, I didn't know he was working on it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they already rebooted that a few years ago, and it was but like, is it a it sequel to the reboot? No, is it gonna be with it's like Joel another Pillman? reboot. Oh, God. I know. So hope it was going to definitely be rated R this time because the last one was not because like that was back when it was in vogue to do like PG-13 remakes of R-rated classics, including that and Total Recall, which, are, yeah, I never, I never watched that remake. That was I don't just, think I did either. too sad for me. Yeah, it just looked really different and it looked, looked like fucking bump. drab. It was just like that movie with like an awful sheen that like mm-hmm. old, weird sci-fi blockbuster sheen. Ugh. It looks so bad. But yeah, yeah, I guess the new the good news is he said he's shooting a horror movie and we're all about horror movies here at the New Flash podcast. So that's exciting. Neil Blomkamp, kind of a one trick pony in my book and most people's books yeah. probably. But uh, one we're still movie. waiting. We're still waiting for the next one. So he was slated to do Halo at one point. That was like that's why we got that's why we got District Nine because they were going to do Halo. He was going to do with Peter Jackson, and then it got pulled. And they had whatever the budget and the resources, so that's when they kind of for for whatever reason District Nine spun out of that. That's so crazy. Did he? Did he? And I really like. I really like District Nine. The Halo short. Someone directed the Halo short. No, I don't know if he did the Halo short. He definitely did did something like. crisis in johannesburg like uh, district right, nine was yeah, based right. off of a short if i understand that short is what initially got P- him and peter jackson involved in halo i don't know if there's ever a halo short i'm sure i mean i think they shot some stuff for halo like some stuff exists but it was definitely the, like a really la- good proof of concept or like sh- some sort of real but oh i bet that they have halo a bunch of cool is stuff. happening yeah. It's happening now. Is it? It's a Showtime doing it? TV show, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in. It's in at least pre, maybe post production. Like, it's happening. I never played Halo. Is it cool? Oh man, Halo is like the only reason I am like excited to dip my toe back into games sometime soon. Well, I guess I play Switch and stuff, but like, I mean, like online multiplayer games. I was obsessed with Halo 2. Like, that was my game. That was, like, the game I played more than any other game. Played it. That was back when, like, Xbox Live was brand new. You had to hook it up to your fucking router. Uh, I remember I had dial-up trying to play Xbox Live. Didn't work. Had to convince my parents to get, like, actual regular internet just so I could play this game. And I played it for years and years. And I... If Xbox just announced you know their new console basically with the new launch of a new halo game which has convinced me like okay i've already said to myself if they did that i would buy the next next one so i'm gonna do that i think but you gotta stay true to yourself buddy you can't you can't uh, back off on that <laughs> well it depends if it's like a billion thousand dollars or something stupid i probably will i'll probably wait a bit but i've heard that the last few years of halo games suck because the original creators, I think Bungie, like doesn't exist anymore or, or sold the mm. rights to the game. So it's like some other company's been making them and they're just not as good. But uh, if you're listening, Microsoft, all you got to do is re-release <laughs> Halo 2, update the levels HD, make them look better. I will play Halo 2 multiplayer right now all fucking day. Make it happen. Putting it out. There. All right, you got you got your work cut out for you, Microsoft employees that are listening. 
Um, all right. What else? We Dude, got? Speaking of Microsoft, yeah. isn't it wild that at least like a week or two ago, they were the most valuable company in the world. They bumped up for like, uh, for like a couple of days there. They were like a trillion dollar wow, when company. The, when the market was like horrible. Or yeah. Like they're, that? they're back. They're back down again. I mean, I'm still doing pretty well, but it was like, did you think about like these like nonstop tech wars pretty much has been Apple versus Amazon versus Google versus Facebook. And any, any, any one day, one of them is like public enemy number one, but also most valuable one. And then one day they're like, Microsoft is the most valuable. And you're like, Oh yeah, Microsoft. I forgot about that. Yeah, it is crazy. Forgot about them. I'm a, I'm a Mac user. But uh, yeah, but and if I, you're a PC user, do you use Microsoft? Well, what isn't there like better operating systems for PCs now? Or is it still Microsoft? Is Mike, well, Microsoft? Is I'm Windows? sure makes a lot What's, of hardware and like maybe like internal shit for computers. Like I'm sure they're doing fine, and they do I a think, lot of like the cloud, businesses. The cloud computing is the yeah, point? yeah, 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 they, yeah. They're, 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 the business dev is like, and the cloud computing is like what kind of bumped them up. But biz I mean, dev dude. I don't know if I went out and got a uh, if I got out like a, a a PC laptop would it be would it have Windows on it? Uh, I think so, or it would have some sort. Well, yeah, doesn't it? Don't I mean I have truly have no oh, idea. It's been so long. Uh, tweeted us. <laughs> Do PCs come with Windows? That's the important stuff we need to know. This is another perfect transition. <laughs> um, what do you got? Uh, what a who? Sony's Stage Six Films is developing a sequel to searching yes oh so great what a great movie yes not horror even though we loved its horror counterpart uh unfriended dark web but searching such a fantastic movie and i just was like all smiles the whole time how they use so many different ways visual things that you would use for like uh you know web surfing or do, using the internet to tell that to complement the story with like messages and and you know pl- playing youtube clips and there's just so many little things in that in, the, in that movie that like perfectly uses the screencast as a medium to tell the story and just fantastic movie yeah it's a really good thriller one of probably one of the best movies of 2018 uh i'm mm-hmm. sure it's available to rent if not stream for free somewhere uh, John Cho, John great movie. Cho, Check it out. great movie. Deborah Messing's in it, uh, but yeah, that movie clearly didn't cost a thing, and it uh, made seventy-five million worldwide, and critics loved it. So it's kind of a no-brainer to do a sequel, and it's just another one of these Tamer Beckham Bemetenkoff guy production who's doing all these on computer screen movies. He's good, you know, good for him. I'm, I'm glad that he kind of like reinvented himself. He he did those uh, Night Watch and Day Watch movies, those like laborious, I think like Russian movies that were just like good, but like so complicated. Dense, yeah. yeah, dense and like almost like Lord of the Rings level of like information. And I did enjoy watching them. I couldn't even tell you what they're about. I still am confused on what exactly happens to them. And then I don't know, his career was kind of like, I remember, didn't he do, didn't he do The Wanted adaptation or i think he did knowing with nicholas cage he did a couple just movies that were just like no nicholas cage knowing is um alex proyas oh yeah i, I, I get proyas who did dark city and, and this guy confused mm-hmm. what else did, what else did our searching guy do do you have imdb open open for now? um sure tamir bekmabembedatov he did uh ben-hur oh yeah he did the ben-hur remake which they like, just did you know Hey, the guy, but the, he's a producer. He's he an Abraham guess, Lincoln vampire hunter also. But yeah, yeah he's, he just, that's, those are he the things a, he directed. But yeah, his production credits are insane. 
And yeah, I don't he's know been producing what, stuff nonstop. Yeah, I think I just he did figured that hardcore out, like, Henry movie. Remember that? Yeah, he's re- he's really big. Like he's really big on any project where how it is presented is like a thing with him. You know what I mean? Like not everything, but like the aesthetic of the mo- the look of the movie. Yeah, yeah, like the a, POV. A, like, I, I don't want to say gimmick, but it's kind of gimmicky. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I just think I just think he is like taking the digital the reins of like looking at being like, look, cameras are like the size of like a phone now. So why don't we make movies that like incorporate that or incorporate like point of view or incorporate like editing. And yeah, he was a producer of the unfriended movies, you know, which we liked. Uh, Yeah. I I just, I think he's, I think he's doing good work. Obviously is some misses. I mean, who doesn't, but like, I'm glad he's doing this versus trying to just be like another like Hollywood blockbuster director from, you know, basically indie foreign darling who suddenly was just like, you know, you're doing whatever. I mean, I thought he was doing Nicolas Cage movies. So you know what I mean, right? Yes, I do know what you mean. Um, yeah, so Searching 2, great news. Uh, what else do we have? Kevin Smith announces anime He-Man series for Netflix. The new series, titled Masters of the Universe Revelation, will take place in the Mattel toy-inspired world and will focus on some of the unresolved storylines of the classic 80s show. Kevin Smith will serve sure. as showrunner and executive producer he says we'll pick up right where the classic era left off to tell an epic tale of what may be the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor, brought to life with the most metal character designs powerhouse animation can contain in the frame. This is the Masters of the Universe story you always wanted to see as a kid. Uh, good for Kevin, getting Fine. that Netflix money. I feel like there'll be enough cooks in the, in the kitchen to be like, yeah, Kev, you know, we'll, we'll kind of take him here. And like, well, we you know need, what? We need- we need Skeletor turned into a giant walrus. Let's just kind of. <laughs> well, that's I'm sure, too, I'm sure Kevin Smith is a good guy to have in a room. People seem to like him. He seems to be like funny and charming. And I have think that's a perfect role culture for knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a better fit than writer director at this point. I feel like it fits. Mm-hmm. A, like it's such a, such a disconnect for me because like maybe his, you know, he has all these like AMC shows he was on. He was on that comic book man show. He has mm-hmm. his, uh, he has like this IMDb partnership where he's doing all these videos and talk shows. It's an and interview stuff. show, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like there's to me there's this disconnect because he seems like he's like a celebrity in just by on its own right. And then like his movies still don't perform in the box office. Yeah, he, he, his movies have been like historically worse after worse. I mean yeah. he really has not made something watchable in like ten years and at the same time, like I, I look at the guy and I'm like what he clearly wants to do with the podcasting and everything is just be him himself, kind of regurgitating the same jokes, playing the stoner slacker from, you know, outsider in Hollywood character, even though I th- he's probably lived in Los Angeles for 30 years at this point. Um, you know, and, and, and that's fine. Yeah, like the worst thing about him is his movies. So, yeah, just just he, he can sit around with guys all day, smoke weed, talk about how crazy shit that He-Man can do, and then much better skilled writers can take that and actually make a good story. Yeah, I agree. So um, we'll find out how many dicks She-Ra sucked when He-Man <laughs> finds out that, or whatever, you know, like, uh, I mean, who's, who's the side? Is He-Man, who's He-Man's sidekick? Who's going to be He-Man's Randall? Uh, I truly have no idea. I've never seen any of that shit. Man of Arms, was that a guy? I'm, I'm actually going off the movie right now. There's She-Ra, Man of Arms, Skeletor, Evil Lynn. Um, that's about it. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Um, this is pretty- by the way, He-Man reboot is actually a great idea because yeah, nobody cares. Everyone's like, oh yeah, He-Man, but also like, 
There's no He-Man purists who are going to be like, oh, Castle Grayskull better be green, or who cares? And it's cool that it's like animated, because truly, you know, you can do whatever the fuck you want in animated. Mm-hmm. And if I was a fan of this, I'd be excited about it, but I have no, I know nothing about it. Um, maybe I'll watch old, that old, I mean, I don't know if I care to go watch old 80s cartoons, so... Uh, that movie is I'm neutral not on this up. for now. I yeah, watched no. that Dolph Lundgren movie a, a little over the last three years. I like threw it back on to be like, oh, this is a nostalgia trip because I'd seen it a thousand times when I was a kid. And the movie is insanely boring. It's so slow and doesn't make any sense. And for some reason, they're in um, the USA. They get like a parallel universe. They go through a portal for some reason. So they're like hanging out with Courtney Cox and she's a teenager and she's got a boyfriend and he plays music and there's this cosmic key that plays music in a weird way. Who, who cares what it's about? But it's a, a <laughs> lot of people in, in ridiculous outfits talking about literally nothing. And you're like, this is fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, thanks. I'm good. Uh, yeah. What else do I have here? This is exciting for me. I like this. Uh, there's an extended director's cut of The Haunting of Hill House, the TV show, uh, coming really? to Blu-ray. Yeah, like well, I think it's exciting that Netflix is putting out physical media. It's pretty rare from them. I think they do for like their biggest hits, like House of Cards. I think you can buy on DVD, but it's pretty rare. And I'm I'm interested enough to maybe buy it. Three episodes or extended director's cuts. Uh, yeah, three episodes of extended director's cuts with a bunch of never-before-seen content, and all the mm-hmm. regular episodes are also there. You know, if that's like 20 bucks, I'd buy that. So that's exciting. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's a new horror movie out on VOD. I just want to flag it, so even just so you and I remember to watch it for next week. Mm. Um, it's called Gwen. I know nothing about it. Uh, I just... The, the bloody disgusting headline says, Slow Burn Horror at its Best. Gwen is this year's The Witch. So I don't know if, you know, take it. We'll take Mm. it with a grain of salt, but I will watch it. Gwen. And um, Ari Aster, Midsommar. I don't want to go over the director's cut differences, but if you care, David Ehrlich wrote uh, a very long piece explaining all the differences and all the extended scenes. And that's at IndieWire. Um, and it's the movie is 171 minutes, and he says it's richer, darker, and more rewarding. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really walk away from the movie wanting to know more. I think I got everything I needed in the regular cut, so I'm good. Joe's good. Joe's good off. Are that. you gonna go see it? What are you gonna do? I want to see it, but there's no way to. That was one screening, and hopefully it'll come out on Blu-ray. But until then, there is no other plan. So we'll see. Um, and with that, I think it's time for the next section, unless you got some more news. That's it, buddy. Let's do it. All right. A Count three, a two, a one. What did Very good. Um, All right. what did you watch, sir? Uh, I think the main thing that I watched was, uh, the man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot, right? That's, that's yes. what it is. That is so I will you know, this movie it had a vibe similar to like Bubba Hotep or John Dies at the End, where you're kind of like, it has this very dramatic feel of a seemingly silly concept, and occasionally it's accented with like almost like slapsticky jokes. Um, I don't think the guy the guy who did it uh, is Robert D. Krzykowski. Am I pronouncing that right? I'm not sure. Krzykowski. He was involved in The Woman. And uh, yeah, he co-produced the woman. 
this is the only movie that he's directed and written. So it kind of comes from like, we were just talking earlier about the woman, I believe on this one or possibly the, the, the bonus episode, but the way that's, this is a good thing to kind of have in your mind of like ridiculous premise, but also kind of like taken deadly seriously. Anyway, it starts Sam, Sam Elliott, who is, um, a war hero who secretly is the person who killed Hitler, that the suicide, uh, narrative that they've gotten is fake or made up that he was actually, uh, he was actually, uh, killed by Sam Elliott and then kind of jumps back and forth his life. And now he's an older man. He's kind of grizzled and in the small town, just drinks and minds his own business. And then the government comes to him and is like, we'd heard stories about you and how great you are now. Like you're like the greatest soldier. So we want you to go kill Bigfoot. Cause he's like spreading some disease or something. Um, which so he's like, all right. So it kind of comes out of like military retirement to go kill Bigfoot. Uh, the movie is not bad, not that great. I mean, I found it entertaining. Sam Elliott is incredible in it, but the story's a little flat, or it's like not a lot of like. And it's action. like kind of long, guy, if I recall. Yeah, it is. It does feel like two stories. You think for a guy who hunts down and kills Hitler and then also kills Bigfoot, you'd be like, oh, there must be these action sequences, but you know, meditates more on what on, on like the value of life because right. you see him in his journey to to secretly you know, poses a Nazi and slip into whatever place Hitler was hiding to kill him. And then since then he kind of is his like kind of bemuses so many ways in conversation with people that are openly admitting. And he's like, you know, when I was in the war, I killed a man and I know he had it coming, but you know, who am I to take a life? And, you know, it's, it's almost like this, this, un, this unforgiven level of like, who are you to kill someone regardless if they deserve it or not? And like meditates on like killing in general. And then when he has to kind of come out of retirement to kill Bigfoot, it kind of comes up again, even though you're like, well, I don't know, is Bigfoot a person or is a big ape? I mean, who knows? But for the most part, it was just like, it was just okay. I mean, I mean, I watched the whole thing, but I, I just, I would give it like a solid C plus Sam Elliott is amazing in it. There's a few scenes in here. Like I'm watching, I'm like, man, if this movie got more attention, he could have been nominated for an Oscar. He's so fucking good in this movie, but he's good in everything, you know, but the movie itself is just, just okay. All right. Uh, and I also watched the, uh, season premiere of the terror season two, which I personally am stoked for the show. Yeah. I I watched it and thought it was really good too. Oh, it's really good. It's really fascinating, the story that they're going with. It is, I think it takes place in Hawaii, right? Uh, on the Hawaiian Islands, correct? Or is it in California? It's in California. They keep saying the island. So I, oh, wait, I'm sorry. But if I, if I, I don't know my history, but were, were the Japanese held on islands in determined camps? Or were they on? I don't um, know. I'm I pretty re- sure it was off like near, it's in California or like off the oh, coast okay. maybe. Yeah, maybe I thought there's an island, but I could be wrong. But it's like it's the Japanese who have been put in a determined camp. I think they were put there before. I forget exactly. They were already in an area that seemed like they were they were kind of cut off. Maybe that's just like standard American racism, just being like you're all in this area with these very small. Oh, it houses. definitely was. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh yeah, and, that, and then Pearl Harbor happens, and now they're just getting like all the men are getting scooped up. So it has this confusion of like them being you know, what happened to them and in, in, in the concentration camps that we built for for them during World War Two. And then also there is seemingly an a shape shifting entity that is pulling the strings or fucking with people or and somebody can control people yeah, uh, to so do it's horrible got, things. It's got this like very unsubtle political commentary type thing, but also like genuine horror, actual supernatural something is happening. 
Uh, yeah. So it's really compelling. Yeah, it's very good. It, 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 I, I can't think of a horror movie or horror concept that is similar to this. I think what the terror has cut themselves a niche that, I mean, if they play the cards, but they can do this for endlessly, is taking what was a horrifying or scary moment in American history, big or small, and then just taking that and running with it. Because you know, not a lot of information was recorded about these, probably like a handful of books or biographies and stuff. But like, I think these are all fictional characters, much like the last season about the, that those two ships that just disappeared. It's like you have enough foundation with the types of characters or, or uh, a, 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 a structure of a story that you can kind of fill in horror elements, and just it just works really well. Uh, yeah, so it, I'm I, I, I'm already very happy with how this season is going, and I, I and I feel like it's going to be another hit, much like. Uh, last season for sure i agree with that uh i need to watch yeah. lodge 49 lodge 49 is back too that's a really What's interesting that? it's this weird goofy like almost big lebowski-esque um dramedy amc show that stars uh uh what's his name kurt russell and goldie hahn's son who's in like a no bunch idea. of stuff you'd know who he is uh wyatt russell um, it's a, it's a good show. It's mostly about, how do I describe what that show is about? It's about like a man joining like a fraternal order society, kind of like an aimless guy who's looking for meaning in life. But it's, it's just about, it's just very loose and interesting and thoughtful show. It's fun. You'd like it. Lodge 49? Lodge 49. Season two just started at the same night that the terrorists started. Yeah, cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, and movies I watched before I get into the main event, which is 47 Meters Down, which I'll be talking to a guest who I'll introduce shortly. Um, what else did I watch? Oh, one of the movies from the festival that I thought was half really good and half not good at all was this movie called Black Circle, directed by Adrian Garcia Bogliano, who did movies we talked about in the past for sure. He's done, oh God, what's that movie? Late Phases, the the wolf movie. Yeah, that was not very good. It was okay. And then he did Here yeah, Comes the okay. Devil, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah, that's like much better than Late Phases. <laughs> he also did okay. Scherzo Diabolico, which is a movie that I think is now available to stream, but something that I caught at Tribeca Horror Festival, which is like, you know, kind of a burial ground for a lot of stuff. And it wasn't mm-hmm. very good. Um, but this one, Black Circle, it's the premise is really just like they list. There's a vinyl record from the 1970s, and you play it, and it hypnotizes you, and that's really the premise. And the first, I'm gonna say this is maybe this maybe it might be. I can't tell if it's half the movie sucks or like two thirds of the movie sucks. But the mm-hmm. first act is definitely good. It's just you know very stylized and shot really interestingly. And it's very hypnotic and mesmerizing. And it's just like really you're watching someone be hypnotized via this really interesting method. And the movie gets really in the weeds about like, mm, there's, diff- there's, there's this thing called hypnotization and there's also magnetization. And magnetization is different because when you're magnetized, like someone is controlling you rather than mm. if, or yeah, magnetization versus hypnotism. When there's a magnet there's a magnetizer that's in control so it's just like this weird movie about like these people being controlled by these outside forces and the first half is so mysterious and cool and the second half is all 
it's such a weird choice, but like, it's just like people talking and explaining rules to you. And the movie just keeps on, keeps making up like very elaborate rules that explain what's happening. And that just over explains every element to the point of just like total tedium. And the mystery was the compelling part and it totally fizzles out on it. But I think it's worth watching for the first half, at least for you, a person who has a screener link available. But I don't mm-hmm. think other people should waste their time. I don't know. I'll skip it. If you liked his other stuff, maybe check it out. But like, it's just a, bu- it's such a snooze the whole second half. But I really like the first half. Okay. I'm All not right. going to watch half of a movie. That's good. That's fair. Yeah, half's bad. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll let you go, Joe, and I'll uh, jump on this call with this dude. But hang on a second. Yeah. Can you give me a quick? Can you give me a quick rundown, a quick tease of forty-eight meters down? Yes, forty-seven meters down, uncaged is drum roll, please. Just as good as the original, in my opinion. Oh God, I can't wait! I can't wait. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I think this guy's just really great at sh- directing and like making these movies that should be like direct to vi- like literally the first one was being dumped on video until entertainment studios salvaged it and like it 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 should feel that bottom of the barrel bad and it never does because he directs the sequences so well and like it's genuinely scary and they up the ante in this one with like just like a very silly shark like a killer shark that's literally blind because it's like in a cave it's been living in a cave for years it's like it's kind of like almost like the meg where like a thing was unearthed and it's just so silly and fun mm. and like totally dark. Like another thing I liked about the last one that I also like about this one is just that it's not afraid to go dark and it's pretty brutal. And even though it's like, I'm sure it's PG-13, I didn't check, but I'm 90% sure it is. And like these movies don't need to be R-rated because their in- premise is so inherently scary that as long as a masterful director's behind it, like the sequences will work. And I'm just as happy with this one as I was with the last ones. Yeah. Another surprise. I feel, like, I feel like it's hard to I feel like it's hard to screw up a, a a scary shark movie. Well, I mean, it. I don't know. It could be really repetitive and boring, but like he finds a way to make these like really compelling. I was super into it. Uh, and right, it I'm gonna see it. It didn't make as much money as the last one, and I hope it ends up doing a little better. But for a sequel to a movie that was like came out of nowhere, it did fine. I made like nine or ten million this weekend. So. Uh, yeah. Byron well, Adams is Byron Adams Company. Is that the guy's name? Byron Allen, I think. Byron Allen. That's a yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Weather Channel guy. Yeah. Entertainment this, Studios. Yeah, this <laughs> this one isn't. I mean, this one costs double, so it's not as you know. It's harder to make it a hit, but they'll they're gonna try. Go see it. Make it a hit. It's good. It's worth. All right, time. I'll go see it. But yeah, I'll okay, talk well, about that's it, it for more. Me. Talk to your home. All right, I will. All right, Bye. goodbye everyone. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye, Joe. Bye. All right, I am now here with Bill Bria, a uh, freelance film writer who's written for Vague Visages and Crooked Marquee, who I just met, I think, last week at a screening of Tigers Are Not Afraid. Welcome, Bill Bria, to the show. Hey, Bill. Hey, Brett. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for doing the show on such short notice. I literally just saw this movie hours ago after um, I had a horrible flight cancellation bullshit yesterday and got stuck in dc so i had to had i actually ended up off work today which provided me the opportunity to go see it so i'm glad i was able to see it the podcast is uh is a day late i hope the fans aren't angry but i I did it for you guys so i so bill and i could talk to you about 
47 meters down, uncaged, the sequel that honestly I don't think anybody asked for to a movie that <laughs> nobody thought was going to be any good, but was. Um, and I'm here to report. I just teased a little bit and told Joe that I thought it was just as good as the first one. And I think uh, Johannes Roberts is just so masterful at directing these sequences at this point. And I would watch one of these every year. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Um, so what, what's your take on the movie? Uh, my take is that uh, it's definitely in the classic tradition of horror sequels uh, flipping the script on the original in terms of the structure. Because if you had the first film being a survival film about these two girls in a relatively wide open space, you know, they were stuck at the bottom of the ocean, granted, but they didn't have any objects that were around except their cage. Uh, this is the opposite of that word. Now, these group of girls, there's more, of course, there's got to be more for a sequel. Uh, are now stuck in a underwater space that's really encapsulated uh, claustrophobic cave, uh, Mayan ruins there. And uh, there's more sharks, and they're blind this time, and so on and so forth. And so it, it seemed to me like it was a... Um, obviously, it had the flavor of the original for sure, uh, intentionally, but I, it, I felt almost like it was a haunted house movie, like it was The Descent meets kind of Don't Breathe with uh, the blind sharks uh, you know, roaming through the space. They had to avoid it oh. and not make noise. Totally, yeah, I get that comparison to Don't Breathe. I, I didn't even think about that until right now, but it's it's a good comparison. Um, I was delighted to find out that this movie featured, like, uh, not, I, I want to say silly, but it's, like, it is silly, I guess. It's a, It features a blind <laughs> shark that, uh, the conceit of it being blind is that it's a caved shark that has, it's like, it sounds like it's been, Kind of, it's almost like the Meg esque, where it seems like it's been like unearthed because John Corbett or Corbett, however you pronounce his name, uh, Corbett, I think John Corbett, which, which by the way, no better credit sequence than an and John Corbett, like <laughs> he's the only name in this movie, um, the featured player, featured player John Corbett, but yeah, he mentions at the beginning like that he he's a cave diver type. I don't know what his actual title is or anything. But he, cave diver slash archaeologist, I guess. Yeah. So he was like mapping this area. He found they found this like Mayan ruin. I don't know what you want to call it under the under the water there. And he was he casually mentions often the, the, the first act of the script could be taught in like a screenplay class for like all the all the <laughs> foreshadowing they throw out. But also <laughs> but also it's like a lot of its misdirection. Like, mm -hmm. the movie really wants you to think, like, oh, this is going to be a movie where this group of girls gets into one of those boats with the glass at the bottom, and they're going to, something's going to happen. But then, like, the movie subverts that pretty quickly, and it's like, no, actually, we're going to go off the beaten path and do something else. And I really enjoyed that misdirection. I, I think there's a fine line between, like, a director manipulating the audience and a director, like, playfully, you know not showing his hand like i really sure what's the element of fun that he introduces that it's he's he knows that he wants you to know that we're having a good time here it's not you know i'm totally. tricking you sort of thing and i was on board right from the beginning i mean it starts with pretty like you know shitty acting so to speak and like pretty dtv quality i was kind of worried from the opening like 15 minutes of drama but then like oh you sure know, once I got, once the, the shit gets cooking, like, I actually appreciated the character dynamics that they just spent, honestly, like, 
10 to 15 minutes building. Like it wasn't a lot of time, but like I did end up appreciating that. And I think it ends up, you know, helping the movie with the stakes in a, in a, in a, in a number of scenes. Um, yeah, I was just super, super impressed with this movie. The blind shark that can't see because it's just been in this cave for however fucking long. Uh, it's awesome. And like the way the movie disperses it, it is almost like Michael Myers serial killer style, just like very short bursts. You actually really like jump scares. I'm have panned in the past and I'm sure I will in the future, but like when they Mm. work, they work and this dude knows how to make jump scares work. And they got me more than once. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he has a real mastery of uh, pacing and tension in terms of eking out silences and, you know, uh, suspense, you know, enough that he knows, again, he's playing with you willfully. So he knows, you know, that he's messing with you. And so it, it's a little bit of that, you know, push and pull that uh, that a lot of people tend to get wrong when it goes to when it comes to jump scares. Right. So, and what did we do to yeah. deserve such great directors making movies like 47 Meters Down Uncaged? Like he really he did uh, <laughs> Strangers, the Strangers sequel last night. year, too. Or two and that's where I really took note of him, because I missed the original 47 Meters Down. I obviously saw it before I saw the new one this year. Yes. Um, but I missed the first one because it just, I, you know, got under the radar uh, fast enough for me. But um, when Strangers 2 came out, I was a big fan of the original Strangers, you know, 10 years prior in 2008. So, uh, you know, I was definitely in the tank for that. And uh, when the first, you know, few buzzwords came out from the people who'd, saw it, who'd seen it, I was surprised to hear that it was decent. So when I was watching it, um, it's a very, very similar experience. And I feel like it's kind of the same experience for me with all of Roberts' films so far, which is that the first act tends to make you a little bit worried <laughs> in the first 10 minutes, like yep, you were saying, exactly. yeah. where, you know, you have these characters that are, I won't be too mean. I'll say that they're just feeble a little bit in terms of they're a little archetypy and Oh, totally. The those opening scene don't is like white land quintessential bullying scene. Right. And they're, they're bullying a teen model, you know, who's very clearly, Right, a pretty yeah. young woman. So it's like, well, what's 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 her problem? Like, why do they not like her? Just she's new, I guess. Okay. Yeah, they they so, never really got to that, other than just being like the tension between the sisters. They just kind of established it and didn't and didn't do any more. But like, I didn't need any more. It's fine. No, you didn't need any more. The 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 dynamic between the sisters of you know she's the new stepsister and you know she's coming into her family. That's enough, as you say. Totally. Um, in terms of how it relates to the schoolmates, I have no idea because you know. Why yeah. would they hate her on site? Okay. But same with Strangers, for the first 10 minutes of that, I felt very uneasy in terms of, oh, God, this is maybe going to be very bad. Um, but uh, but as soon as it got into the meat and potatoes of that story, it was a crackerjack. You know, in terms surprising. of just I would say yeah. this and Strangers did – I don't want to spoil either in case anyone hasn't seen them. But they both Fair. do, I would say, shocking things early on that – then go you go like oh well this movie's gonna be fucked up and pretty brutal if like that's the if that's the caliber of shit that's going on right now I think you can get what I'm alluding to in in the strangers oh, for do. sure and um, in 47 meters down I think there's a couple moments like that where it's like oh well this movie's clearly gonna save these girls that we've come to spend all this time with and it's like mm, don't be so sure um, yeah is it <laughs> yeah I really I just admire that and like I'm so glad the era of like i feel like there was a time when of course like final girls exist and whatnot but like i feel like there was a time when 
horror movies like this, especially PG-13 ones, which I didn't check the rating, but I'm pretty... This is a PG-13 horror movie, right? This is PG-13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I and like as I said to Joe just earlier, like it doesn't need to be R. These movies are so inherent... Their setups and their... Like, just the situations they put these characters in are so inherently frightening. I don't need the like extra shot of gore that gets the R rating. Like the movie's already effective, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just like when you're talking about the granddaddy of shark attack movies being jaws, jaws was famously PG. You know, that was an era when, you know, the PG 13 didn't exist yet, but right. still it didn't need to go that hard to really play on the audience. To become like a shark fucking attack. classic. Right. Right. Uh, so, I mean, Strangers was R, and that, you know, was a sequel to a slasher. Well, home invasion slasher, we'll say. But essentially, you know, he needed to deliver a little bit more of the bread stuff in that one. But generally, yeah, he's not reliant on grisly violence or gore or something like that. He doesn't need to be. Yeah, and that's an asset. So, um, it's a little bit of a bummer that, well, you know, I'm of mixed feelings about the box office take this weekend because it made like what nine million i think and its budget i think was like 12 and a half which is double what the first ones was so like it'll need to do a little better to yeah keep the franchise and its release date was a little odd too yeah it, it was definitely weird. is like the dregs of august for sure so it's you know kind of clear of most of the big you know tent poles but still i mean this it was yeah. uh and this this franchise, I guess I'll call it now, has such an interesting history. When you like, you know, it was a it was a Weinstein dumped movie, yeah, like the original it was a Dimension, yeah, yeah. It was a Dimension movie. It had a different title. I think it was like in in the deep or into in the, the deep. deep, something like that. Yeah, in the deep, which and, was what originally was the Shadows. Oh, sorry, the Shallows title, and right. then the Shallows got retitled so that yeah, so it was yeah. A mess. So the Shallows came out. I think was a hit relatively. And then I, th- I don't think it was long. I don't know what the timeline exactly, but like basically they ended up out around the same time and 47 yeah. meters down, which was literally about to be on DVD. Like the, it was the trailer was a trailer. There was DVDs about to go down the shelves with the title in the deep, but a few got through. Yeah. A few got did. through to Walmart and I'm, people bought them. Yeah, totally. I'm sure it leaked on. I don't know if it leaked online, but it sounds like it probably did. Um, <laughs> Entertainment Studios, you know, Byron Allen of, I think, the Weather Channel guy, his uh, his studio. Wild. Yeah. Uh, Byron Allen, who owns Entertainment Studios, is just this like businessman mogul guy. And he owns the Weather Channel and he owns a bunch of crazy other things. And he also owns this studio or distribution arm, whatever you want to call it, that put out, distributed 47 meters down, and I think produced and actually made this one. I'm not quite sure how that works. But I yeah, think you're right. Byron Allen's studio uh, out here uh, making good, good movies. I'm just so impressed that there's two of these, like, seemingly knockoffy shark movies that are like way better than anyone would think they are. It's just like amusing. I think that's their secret too, is that ultimately at the end of the day, they're kind of not shark movies. It's about the survivalist aspects of you're stuck in some place. There are sharks around, they will kill you, but the sharks aren't the antagonist in the way that necessarily jaws was, or even deep blue sea and that sort of thing. They're definitely like the villains, but I don't know if you could, even say that these are pure shark movies in the sense that, oh, there's a shark in town. We've got to deal with these sharks. You know, no, that's a good point. That is a good point. And um, I feel like it's a similar reason why Crawl worked just a few weeks ago oh, absolutely. as well. Like that's a movie that um, 
another situation that's just like, fuck, how do we get out of this? Let's figure it out. And that movie is sim. It's funny. It's just a weird coincidence that like this summer has sucked so bad in terms of movies. Everything's terrible. And then like the two things I like are these aquatic based horror movies. <laughs> I don't know what it what it means. Probably nothing. But um, yeah, I I wish it were doing better so we could get a forty nine meters down. I'm still calling this one forty eight meters down, even though they didn't. Oh, good. I feel like somebody. No, they should have. Yeah, they should have pulled the trigger on that. They yeah. They're they're cute with the whole uncaged thing being, uh, that is almost literally the tagline that you would see in a, eighties, uh, genre sequel where it's like this one's different than the first one. Yeah, I, yeah. It's it, it's it's a clever, silly thing. Like when Piranha three D double three double D came out, <laughs> just really three silly, <laughs> really silly shit. For t- it, it does feel deliberately old school. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about it, really. It's a sh- movie where blind... I do want to shout out yeah, one thing. I want to shout out Roberts' uh, just intense skill with um, needle drops because he found that in Pray at Night where he used, uh, you know, famously the Jim Steinman songs oh, uh, yeah. to eclipse the heart and um, making love out of nothing at all in big set piece scenes that really utilize the music in such a way. I mean... I'm going to make the comparison. I don't know if it, it might be just as good as say Scorsese or Tarantino in the way that they use source music. But, uh, but certainly, you know, he found that niche there and it makes sense because given his excellence in timing and jump scares and all that music is literally that. So, um, yeah. So he does that again here with, uh, with a couple of good choices. Uh, I think it's rock sets, the look, and, um, I don't know who does it, but we've only just begun the Carpenter's song. I think it's a cover in the movie. Totally, it is. Yeah. It's that song. And it works. It, it, you're right. Those moments are standout moments. Um, I'm trying to think of other... I mean, you're right that this movie isn't just a shark horror movie. Like, there are other elements that play even in this one. Of course, like, you know, your air is running out. But this one specifically, like, they're in a fucking Mayan cave and, like, they knock... Oh, and there's... Oh, wait, yeah, we haven't even talked... and whirlpools. Yeah. And- <laughs> we haven't even talked about the screaming fish yet. Oh, the screaming fish. There's a the inciting I'm incident. I'm in love with screaming fish. I also love it. Um, the inciting incident. I guess spoiler alert. If you care about the inciting incident <laughs> of 47 meters down on cage, but one of the reasons they get stuck under the, in the cave that they're diving in the, that they're diving in that they definitely shouldn't be and know they shouldn't be. Um, they basically somebody like stumbles back and knocks something over, and it needed to be believable. So in the, so what they did is they had this fish that was like. A normal sized fish, not a shark, like not a goldfish, but like, mm, like a like a two goldfish sized fish, like just a normal sized fish that a girl goes up to, as if to like just kind of go check it out, and then it screams at her, to the <laughs> point of she falls back and knocks over the cave and destroys everything and causes all the havoc. So that is the one moment in this film that more than anything else made me wish i mean i never do this i never wish for this but i wish that it was in 3d just for that oh scene. yeah it was genuine i mean i guess if you're making a horror movie and your goal is to surprise the audience like 
throw a screaming fish in there because it sure fucking scared everyone in the theater I was in. They were like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Are you talking about happened? things that nobody expects? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was very unexpected. So that moment is great. And then I also love that, like, there's no other moment like that. Like, it's just like, this movie's pretty serious in terms of, like, what it would be like if you were in this situation. And then also the inciting incident involves a screaming fish. But whatever. <laughs> uh, that's fine. We'll, we'll take. Well, he we likes to get. play fast and loose with with logic, and and the first film got dinged a lot by people who are you know diving enthusiasts or or oceanographers or what have you. Who, yeah, uh, but, we're like, well, you couldn't actually do this, and be well, you got to accept you know, for an hour, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so. I accept the high concept premise of these people are in a cage, and you know, in real life, they'd be dead in five minutes probably. But um, in this movie, let's give them ninety. Like, I'm fine with that. Like. I, yeah. I accept that as a viewer. And I think most, I mean, if you're a fan of the movie, obviously you do too. But um, yeah, yeah I, 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 I remember reading those, <laughs> those goofy ass <laughs> takes. I mean, the, the Neil deGrasse Tyson-esque takedowns. Of, oh, they were very Tyson-esque. <laughs> yeah, ugh, horrible. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I, I recommend this movie highly. I think it's, I think I may have liked it more than Crawl. I haven't really thought about it that hard, but. It's Maybe just because I saw it most recently. There. They're both good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, go see 47 Meters Down Uncaged. And also Especially crawl. Especially 48, 49. Yeah. 48 Meters Down. Go see it. Insist on calling it that. Go to the box office. Ask for a ticket to 48 Meters Down. See what they say. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, we'll give go, it to you. <laughs> go see it so we could get uh, uh, the next one because I, I personally I want it and I'm selfish. Um, anything else you want to say about it before we wrap up here? Uh, no, I'm just gonna say, uh, gosh, if you're gonna go diving, just make sure there are any sharks around before you do so. I mean, that just makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I would never go diving. I mean, I've watched so many horror movies that there's a lot of activities that are just off limits for me. Like, I won't camp anymore. I won't go into the woods. <laughs> I won't boat. Uh, yeah, so definitely not in the cards for me. I won't stay in a house during Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I don't know what to do. I just keep my eyes open 24-7 on Halloween, just waiting. Um, it's a good way to live. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, do you have anything you want to plug before we uh, before I end this here? Uh, no, just check out. I uh, actually did the, an article recently last month about the 20th anniversaries of uh, Lake Placid and Deep Blue Sea, which are relevant here so uh, sure check that are. out in crooked marquee okay and uh yeah i'm doing new pieces every month at least if not more so uh yeah check me out on twitter.com at bill bria all right and you can follow me at brett redacted on twitter and this has been the new flesh podcast we'll be back next week with yet another summer 2019 horror release with uh ready or not uh i'm very excited for that uh i've heard only amazing things about it everyone is very excited about it and I'm glad we got one of the humans hunting movies uh, to come out this summer. If uh, <laughs> the president can get the other one banned. Nobody tell him about this one. Uh, we'll be back next week with Ready or Not. Thanks for listening. Bye. It's a bizarre.